Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm going to choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. I've been following my guest ever since I saw his ingenious invention, Poddex. It's a tool to help podcasters come up with really creative, innovative interview questions. And I was always amazed at like, what a cool concept. I I wish I'd thought of this. And then recently, I saw him speak at Podcast Movement. I've been following his journey on Instagram where he has been blowing up. And you'll see if you go to his page what I'm talking about. And the reason he's blowing up is he's creating bite-sized, value-packed content that gives real tangible, actionable knowledge to help somebody on their journey, whether it be finding a side hustle or making their move in the creative social media space. His content is always on point and it's really, really value packed. I'm so excited for us to talk about his journey because let me just say his journey is impressive. In about six weeks, he gained 90,000 followers, but it wasn't those six weeks that did it. It was leading up to that point to prepare him for that insane, insane jump. Dude, I got to just say, man, I've been following you so closely. I'm excited to have this conversation. Travis Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I could listen to you tell me how great I am all day. So thank you for that little boost. (laughs) It's not often you get to hear feedback about what it is you do. And I am a perfect example of a two-year overnight success. You know, uh, getting 90,000 followers in a few months after really hustling for two years, a lot of people kind of reflect on you and say, wow, you just kind of blew up overnight. And my my response to that was, yeah, a two-year overnight success of not giving up, you know, continuing to optimize. And now I've, you know, I've documented my journey so I could share this with other people so they could do the exact same thing. Mm, Love it, dude. We're going to roll up our sleeves and get into the nitty gritty. Before we do, I'm just going to make a statement. I want you to tell me why this is so important for you. Okay. Nobody cares. We're just making chairs. Yeah. Nobody cares. We're just making chairs. It was a quote I heard from the lead singer of the presidents of the United States of America, who, if you remember the song Lump or Peaches, was describing the process of creation on a podcast about writing songs. And this hit me so hard because, you know, when we're in the moment, when we're creating, we're putting all of our energy into it. And it can be very damaging to work really hard on something and put that out And then you don't get the reciprocation or the views or the downloads that you expected. And so having this nobody cares, we're just making chairs attitude is sort of a permission slip to just create freely, which I feel like releases the attachment to that end result 
which makes your content so much better. And over my journey, you know, I've tried really hard on content that did really poorly. It, it could have been my best content ever. And I know the feeling of like, oh, you know, I just put my heart and soul into this and nobody cares. So once I hit 10,000 followers on Instagram, and I had been working at that at, for about two years, posting every day, doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing, like engagement and building a community. Once I hit 10,000 followers, I actually said to myself, after hearing that quote, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do without any expectation. And I sort of gave myself like parole from the jail that I had created that everything that I made had to have a result. And I feel like that's when I leveled up. That's when I found a new part of my personality, my content strategy, and it all just kind of unfolded from there. So I always challenge people to remember that we're not doing heart surgery, no one's going to die, and that you can create things and test things and not have to have an expectation attached to it. Because in my personal journey after doing that, my first viral video didn't go viral for two weeks after I posted it. And it did fine initially, but then all of a sudden it picked up. So if that's true for me, that's true for everybody. And if you look at the numbers right after you've done something and you make it a reflection of yourself, it's going to affect the next thing you create, whether that's a podcast or a social media post or an email blast. And things can pick up later. So with this, nobody cares, we're just making chairs attitude, you're really free to go about your day and realize that what we're doing is creating free content every day. What we do on social media is free. And by putting all this pressure on yourself, you're just causing yourself anxiety and you're not really showing people who you really are. I'm reminded of the song that you probably know because you have two little ones and I have a little one. Let it go. Like, we just need to let it go. You know, if you've watched Frozen, you know how that song, uh, you know, it kind of tells the whole story, right? I mean, we just hold on to things and we often are our own worst enemy. Again, I kind of set this up. I knew you as the Poddex guy and a podcast guy, right? Over the last year, you've transitioned a bit to a support a broader community and really focusing on a community of creators and even entrepreneurs and people who want to maybe figure out a side hustle or, or break into a new chapter in their life, right? Maybe they have a nine to five and they want to figure out how to make that transition. You've described your transition from going from podcast guy to this new version of yourself is almost like a snake shedding its skin. Why is that the way you think of it? Well, you know, I love podcasting, very invested in the podcasting world. At some point, Poddex emerged and Poddex was actually an accidental business. It was a gift I was going to send to people that bought a premium course on how to efficiently and successfully launch a podcast. And so when I launched that course, because I had sold all my time as a podcast producer, it didn't sell very well. Maybe, you know, three or four total in the beginning. And so I started to panic and show these cards as like a bonus. And people reached out to me and said, you know, I don't really want your course, but I would love to get those cards. I resisted this. I was like, no, I'm not a deck company. I don't, I, that's not what I do. And then after about 10 emails, I said, there's something here. The market is speaking. And so I ran an MVP, which is a minimal viable product. I pressed one unit. One unit, it costs $35 to make one deck of custom cards, right? Just so I could show people to test 
and see if there was actually interest. And so once Poddex took off, it gave me a new opportunity, which was to share all this knowledge I had been building in podcasting for the last decade with podcasters so they could have a better show and have better interviews. And what I learned from that was being able to shed your snakeskin and pivot is a superpower because you might start off on your journey teaching people how to lose weight, but then realize that you're super passionate about a broader topic or a specific topic within fitness. And I can tell you, you know, just honestly, that transitioning from podcast enthusiast to creator world was a very tough transition for me because I had to kind of feel out and grow into the new clothes, you know, grow into the emperor new clothes, so to speak. So there was a period of time where I was just, you know, kind of testing everything I could to reach a broader audience. And the reason I did that was not to close the door on podcasting, but in the time that I spent coaching podcasters, running a podcast mastermind, there were two questions that everybody asked all the time, which was, how do I grow an audience and how do I make money? And so I decided that if podcasters had that question, then YouTubers probably had that question. And maybe, you know, a single mom who's trying to run a new business or find a new side hustle has that question. And so I said to myself, I can either be a deck of cards for the rest of my life, or I can reach more, in, more people and make more of an impact. So my vision of that was... I want to help as many people as possible. Podcasters are amazing. It's like the coolest, densest population of people, but it is a limited audience. And to, to reach more people, the average Joe, I need to broaden out my topics. And that's how I decided that I was going to broaden out the topics. And the real important lesson here, Billy, is I think of myself as a scientist, right? I've never met a scientist who said, hey, I, I, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a failed scientist. No, they just say I'm a scientist because what they do is they test something and it either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, they change a variable and they test it again until they get the result. So one of my superpowers is I am completely unafraid to start any business at any time and have it fail. That's fine with me because I'm going to quickly learn whether this works or doesn't work. And if everybody took that into their mentality, right? Again, nobody cares, we're just making chairs. You can test a lot of things until you find your groove. And then you can go all in on that groove. So it's been an amazing journey over the last, you know, six months for me is just like, I feel like I've had this huge growth spurt as a person and also in my mission of what, what it is that I actually do. Yeah, and I love the reference to being a scientist. I often revisit this theme, especially as it relates to social media, because you have to be willing to experiment. You have to be willing to try things out. You can't be afraid of the failure because it's part of it. It's like the more you fail, the more you're going to get closer to where you want to get to. And as cliche as that may sound, it's cliche for a reason. Like people who fail the most are often the most successful people throughout history. So you moved from behind the mic primarily to being in front of the camera, which you've admitted that was a little bit of a struggle. You, you even had some blockers in your mind that you had to get past as you moved into video. Do you mind sharing some of those blockers and how you overcame them? Yeah, podcasting was such a great medium for me because I could hide. You know, I could edit. I could be behind the microphone. No one needed to see who I was. And I resisted video for a long time. I said, oh, I'll never do that. When reels were introduced, I'm like, nah, I'm never doing that. I'm just going to stick to what I do, right? And growth comes from pushing yourself 
uh, an inch or two outside of your comfort zone. And that's the truth. And, you know, I'll be honest, there is a confidence thing there. My skin has definitely been weathered over the years. Uh, I don't necessarily think of myself as somebody who belongs on video. I have a really nasally voice, which can sometimes be annoying. You know, I would just pick myself apart, as most people who want to get on video do. And so I just had to really get in tune with the fact that I am who I am, right? And there's nothing I can do to change that. I can either wear a mask or I could be myself, right? So I started to put myself out on video and every video I make, my goal is to make the next one 1% better. I'm not going to go from zero to Peter McKinnon overnight. I'm going to have to learn my process and my good angles and the way I convey information. And so by giving myself that permission slip to just go, okay, this video is good. How can I make the next one 1% better? I compound my results over time as opposed to just thinking that everything needs to be perfect. I'm just now figuring out lighting after making, you know, hundreds of videos. If you look at my first videos, they're way oversaturated, you know, because I just didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't let that stop me from building my craft, right? And I still don't, like people uh, always tell me how great my content is and, and I still feel like it can be improved. So that 1% rule, Let's me create and then reflect to see, okay, I could probably optimize this process. So the biggest thing I hear from people about video is that, you know, they don't feel confident on video. They don't look good on video. And I'm the perfect example of somebody who breaks all those rules, right? I'm not a celebrity. I'm not handsome. I'm not educated. Video is just something that I've learned to do. And I think it's my favorite thing to do now. It's like my absolute favorite thing to do. Something that I completely resisted. I said, I'll never do that. <laughs> and here I am every day sitting down in front of the camera, writing a script, trying to, to uh, give as much value as possible. And it's my favorite thing to do. So by pushing yourself just a little further and remembering that we're not doing heart surgery and there's really no worst case scenario for putting yourself out there. If somebody comments on your appearance, what they're doing is they're reflecting their own feelings about themselves upon you. So you will get trolls. I love trolls. I love when people, because that's a comment. That's engagement. You know, I want people to love me or absolutely hate me. I don't want the people in the middle because they're not going to do anything. So if you can embrace that and say, you know, every person who tries to tear me down is just reflecting their own insecurities on me. That's okay. That doesn't define me. And, you know, videos here, it's not the future. Video is the present. I don't know that video will change much until we get to artificial reality. So I think it's the biggest opportunity because every single person, just like podcasting, has a unique story, has a unique look, has a unique energy. And if, you, if you're really worried about people judging you, the big example I use is Steve Buscemi, right? Steve Buscemi is an actor. He's been in a ton of movies. He has a weird voice, which he's turned into a multi-million dollar Disney contract. He has the craziest teeth you've ever seen. It's like somebody just like jammed all these teeth in his mouth. Hollywood actually asked him to fix them. And he said, no, he's turned his uniqueness into his unique selling proposition. So if you're worried about the way you look, you just need to embrace what how you look, right? If you're worried about your voice, you just need to embrace it. I like to amplify all of my unique things because that's really what makes me me. And trying to be somebody else or trying to look like somebody else is probably the worst thing you could do for yourself because it's not you. It's not your energy, your vibe. So it was a big obstacle for me to overcome. Like I said, it became my absolute favorite thing to do. Thank you for sharing. And I, it's so interesting that we never know 
what's going on in somebody else's mind and their world to the outside. It may surprise people. It probably will surprise people that you had those blockers. And to your credit, you're able to tell the story now, which will hopefully help someone who maybe has a similar type of blocker. We're often telling ourselves these stories. We're our own worst enemy. But if you could focus on the micro improvements, you said 1% improvement every day and you compare yourself to yourself, not compare yourself to everybody else, not try to be everybody else because your unique superpower is you. That's the only thing that nobody can take that away from you. You are you and uniquely you. You're the only you that will ever exist and no one could take that away from you. So embrace that. And I love that you're able to reflect and look back at your own journey and say that you had these initial blockers that you broke free. You faced a challenge. You were resistant. It was out of your comfort zone. You're more comfortable behind the mic, and but you didn't let that stop you. And so you got in front of the camera and you made it work for you. One of the things that I know you also did, and in a minute, we're going to get into more of the nitty gritty blocking and tackling of all of the things that you did to help you on this journey. But before we do, I have one other question, which is something that was interesting to me, and I want to tap into this. You talk about reducing your own content consumption. Why was that so important? Yeah, for two reasons. So uh, being aware of your consumption diet is going to help you in two ways. First of all, comparison, okay? Typically, when we're looking at other people's content, the first thing that we do is we compare ourselves to them. So if that's the case for you, my action step for you is whoever you're comparing yourself to, you need to go all the way back to their beginning if you're just starting and compare yourself to their beginning because what you're doing is you're comparing yourself to their current state and that's not your current state. So if you're going to compare yourself make sure you're trying to do it in parallel because otherwise you're just going to never do anything. Now, as far as consumption goes, you know, all these apps were created just like a slot machine. They're created to give you happiness, dopamine hits, constant instant gratification. And it's very easy to just go down a rabbit hole. And so at some point I told myself, every minute that you're looking at content, you're not thinking about or creating content. And so if you're going to go down the rabbit hole and spend all this time scrolling, you just have to be okay with that. Your output goes down. And that's in everything. That's in my business, my relationship, with my kids, with you know everything. So you need to be really conscious of the time you spend scrolling because that's time that you're not doing anything. And typically, it's called doom scrolling because you're comparing yourself. You feel like you're not enough. There's all this information that you don't know. You don't typically leave that state inspired. So what you can do is just set a timer, right? Pomodoro method. Give yourself 20 minutes of scroll time. And in that time, I want you to pay attention to three things. One, what made you stop scrolling? Because this is a very important philosophy to have is to pay attention to your own consumption patterns. Because whatever makes you stop scrolling, there's some clue in there. There's a breadcrumb that's going to help your next piece of content be better because we need to stop people. The analogy I use is they're flipping TV stations and you stop when you see something of interest. And when it doesn't interest it anymore, you keep flipping. So we need to get people interested. Secondarily, use it for inspiration, right? Maybe it's a great story. Maybe it's a cool camera angle. Don't look at it as they're doing this thing that I can never do. We want to steal the essence, right? We don't want to steal the content, but we want to go, oh, I never looked at that angle or I never looked at you know this style of video and see if we can create something for ourselves that in the same way, okay? So... 
when you're using consumption time, I like to look at it as straight up research. Okay. Yes, there are creators that I follow and I like to watch their content and I like to support people, right? I like to support the community, but reducing my consumption increased my output. And people always ask me, how do you post so much content? And the question is, because I don't spend a bunch of time looking at content, I spend my time making content. So it is a a mind shift and it's very easy, right? All this stuff's designed to keep you on platforms so they can show ads. So you have to be conscious of your own behaviors. And just like anything else, set a little timer, set a limit. Like if I was going to go to the gym, I don't go to the gym for eight hours. I go to the gym for 30 minutes or 40 minutes, right? But I dedicate my time to that and then I leave and then I'm on with my day. Look at it like any other habit that you have and manage it. I think the nuance is conscious consumption versus mindless consumption. And if we're constantly just there, but not really using it for something and not say you can't ever do it, but limit the amount of mindless consumption you have. And if you're going to be consuming, hey, guess what? Use that as a way to research, especially if you're creating content and look at those clues, right? Success leaves clues, not to steal exactly what they've done, but to borrow inspiration. So you've done a lot of this over the last year, looking at your own content and analyzing it, looking at other people's content, doing the research, seeing what goes viral, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. You create short YouTube style videos for Instagram that provide knowledge. So we're going to get into the smaller details, but what are some of the the biggest insights or the biggest takeaways you've learned over that year period as you've grown from getting to that 10,000 mark, which I know is really important, but then catapulting in lightning speed to the 100,000 mark. Yeah. So there's a few elements on a broad scale. Okay. So I mentioned I do a lot of research. The reason that I'm doing research is because I see people complain every single day that what they're doing now is the same thing they were doing a year ago, but it's not working. And that mentality of having something work once, but it doesn't work later on, keeps you doing the same thing over and over again without results. So we need to remember that Social media changes every day. The algorithm changes. What people like change. Trends change. And if you're not staying current, then you're not going to get the results of current people. So the first thing is just research. Now, research gives me a lottery ticket that has five of the numbers filled out already. This is the analogy I like to use. If you could buy a lottery ticket with where you had to guess all the numbers or you had a couple of the numbers already, you'd have a higher probability of winning, right? So... By researching, we can quickly and easily see what's actually resonating with people. That could be the hook. And if you don't know what a hook is, it's the first thing that the person says or the first thing you see in the video. If you're a podcaster, it's the first thing you say right out of the gate. If you're a songwriter, it's the chorus, right? We get we start with the most exciting part of the song. So by researching hooks and then, of course, topics. Now, topics are a little different because depending on your niche, different things are top of mind. Like right now, there's a hurricane in Florida. So if you are a meteorologist or a uh, somebody who you know handles the cleanup of debris or something, right now, that's what you should be talking about, not you know topics from three months ago. We want to set ourselves up to have a high chance of success. 
Now, the second thing is you need to have that scientist coat, you know, that white jacket that they wear. And you need to realize that there's going to be a period where you're going to need to test those things that you've researched. And not everything's going to work right away. Just because someone else has a viral video and you do something similar doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So you need to be able to test without the expectation of success. Now, the final thing that you need to do And this is something that I had to do that I resisted for a long time. I used to wake up and go every day because I'm a creative person. I want to make something new and exciting every day. And what I've learned is that virality comes from predictability, not creativity. Now, this might sound strange to you, but as people who put ourselves out there in podcasts, social media, YouTube, whatever it is, we are asking people to trade their time with us. And if we do something different every day, they're going to start to question why they're spending time with us. For example, if I go to Discovery Channel and I'm looking for a documentary on the Great Pyramids or I'm looking to learn something, but a baseball game is on, I'm going to be not only confused, but a little bit upset because my expectation was that I was going to go there and get something around learning or you know geography or something. So we need to set up our social media accounts in the same way, like a primetime TV station. And if you promise people that you're going to help them with podcasting, then all the content should be about podcasting. And then furthermore, one level deeper is once something works, you need to do it over and over and over again. I've heard lots of people describe it different ways, but you know, once you find your video that does well, do it over and over again because you what happens is is you activate a wave. And once one video goes up, typically people do something completely different the next day and they're like, "What happened? Where did everybody go?" Well, you switched it up on them. You need to do something similar. Now, that doesn't mean you have to say the exact same thing every day. The creativity portion comes from the content itself. But the first few moments of that video need to be something that's repeatable and also something that people can come back to and go, oh, I love this bit. This is one of my favorite you know, topics. And so those three things together are what it took me months to figure out. And when I say I resisted it, I didn't want to be the guy who has the same first thing I say every video. Resisting that actually just caused all the numbers to ping pong, confused my audience. And once I found my hook, which is here's a business idea, do something with it, which is FOMO plus permission. That's the philosophy behind the hook is that you don't know what the business idea is. And I'm also challenging you to do something with it. Everything that comes after that is different. I talk about all kinds of different ideas, but when people show up to my account, they they pretty much know what I'm going to say in the beginning of that video. So virality comes from predictability, not creativity. I love that quote. I actually wrote that down when I, I heard you say that. I think it was at the podcast movement. It was such a powerful reminder, right? And I love what you said. Like The biggest takeaway is paraphrasing, you got to research and, and not minimize the importance of that research, it's so incredibly important. You have to be the scientist. You have to be willing to test. You have to be willing to fail. Like it's part of the journey. And if you don't embrace that, then you're going to be in big trouble. And I think the the thing that we should all think about when it comes to that part of the equation is the more you can put yourself in a position to analyze what is happening and why it's happening the more you're going to set yourself up for success. It's critical in life. It's critical in business. And when you're creating content, you're getting live feedback. Like, And that's the thing. It's like the feedback is telling you what you can do in the next one. And don't let it get you down. Let it fire you up. Let it get you 
excited about how you could make the the transition to to do what you want to do the next time. And then the last piece is you, you got to let it go, right? I mean, I think it goes back to what we said before, let it go. I mean, too often we hold on to all these things and the more we can uh, let things go and uh, not hold on to things, we're going to be free ourselves up and to be the third pillar, which is consistent. You got to be consistent and you got to deliver what they're expecting, not to be the same exact thing, but to not also put something out there that's going to make people feel like, oh, this isn't what I expected. So you got to be consistent over the long term. Super valuable, man. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about another uh, topic that I I really, really, really love this idea. And you say you got to think about the outcome. And the outcome is really, really important for the person who you're providing this information. There's an outcome involved. Why is that so important? Yeah. So going back to time, if I hear one phrase over and over again these days is how busy everyone is. And I believe that. I think that there's a time management issue for some people, but there's a lot of things to keep up with. There's your job, your family, TV, podcasts, social media, right? Where there's so much to compete with. So if you don't have a clear outcome that you're trying to help people achieve, and this isn't true for every social media account, but for coaches, podcasters, entrepreneurs, those kind of people, Typically, there's a mission you have, which is an outcome. And if people can't quickly realize the outcome you're trying to help them achieve, they're less likely to follow. They're less likely to show up tomorrow. So, you know, what we do at Social Boom, which is my creator community, is the first thing that we do is called a Nail Your Niche Workshop. And that's to help you figure out what your outcome is. And outcomes are not vague. Like helping someone find their passion is not a, a specific outcome. Specificity, the more specific you are, is the more the person on the other end could see themselves achieving that, right? So, you know, if you say, I help people make more money online, that's great. But the next guy might say, I help you 5X your sales. Now, in my head, I'm thinking, well, how many sales am I making? And what does 5X look like? As opposed to just more sales, right? So we want to be as specific as possible. And we kind of want to become known for that outcome. So previously, my outcome was helping podcasters you know, grow a really robust community in a show. Now I'm helping people make their first thousand dollars online with their expertise, right? A side hustle. So it's very specific. And all of my content honors that, right? All of my content honors that. So most people do three things. One, they're guessing what to post. Two, they don't have a very specific outcome. And three, they're kind of thinking of social media as a, an afterthought. And so you mentioned this earlier, and I'm glad you did. My goal with every post is to condense a 10-minute YouTube video into 60 seconds and give as much value and as much actionable instant gratification as possible. And I see a lot of content creators that they create something and it's good, but they don't really go that one level deeper, which is actually providing value because there's a little bit of fear of, well, if I give everyone away the information, then what are they going to buy from me? Which is actually the opposite of what happens. People typically buy from the people that give away all the information. So my goal is like, I'm going to give you everything I know through my content for free. And when you're ready to go faster, there's a chance you'll want to work with me. But I don't want there to be a paywall between you starting a business today and buying something from me. And so with those three things, I think my content has resonated with people in a new way, which is 
that they know they're going to get something that they could potentially apply. Now, the action is up to them, right? I can tell you, I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink, right? But the opportunity is there. And when they're ready to take that action, hopefully they know where to go to find more ideas. So the outcome becomes the most important part of your content strategy, your business. If you can't tell somebody what it is that you do. And I actually challenge people to have really ambitious outcomes. Like currently, I'm helping people go from zero to a million views. Now, can they get a million views? Yes, if they do everything I say, right? So you can have an ambitious outcome, even if people will try to do it and fail. But the key here is, is that it's very clear what I'm going to help you do. It's not vague, like make more reels. It's going to be an outcome, which is a million views, which is what everybody wants. So your action step is to think about what your audience or perfect client really wants. And then describe that in your bio or describe that as your, your, your pitch. Like, what do you, what do you do? Oh, well, I help creators go from zero to a million views on reels. Cool. That sounds like something that I would want. But if you're just saying, I help people lose weight, You need to say how many pounds. You need to say in what time period. You need to give them a visual cue where they can see themselves achieving it. They're going to want to come back for your content. They're going to want to buy your products. They're going to want to be on your email list. And that outcome is going to explode everything you do. And it's also going to make your life easier when you create content. Because all you have to ask yourself is, does this help somebody achieve the outcome that I'm promising? And if it doesn't, throw it out. And if it does, post it. And then there's no more guessing on what you should post on social media. Brilliant. And you know what I'll say is you practice what you preach because you're constantly delivering value. And one thing I'll also say is you can't make people take action, which is true, but you do and your business partner do an amazing job of helping guide people to take that action. I know as part of the offering you have with Social Boom is that you're giving action step guides. Like, I don't know if you know my background, but I worked, I, I ran training for Tesla. So like the hardest thing I had to do was like to get people to, to do what we trained them to do. And it kind of goes back to the whole paywall thing. It's like some of the, my colleagues were afraid we would have our secrets revealed if one of our things got out there and one of our sales process released. And I'm like, we have a hard enough time getting our own salespeople to do this, let alone some other company. So I'm like, look, execution is where it's at. It's actually doing what you've been taught because everything else is just theory. They're just ideas, they're concepts. But until you put it into action, it's it's not real. And to your credit, you're doing everything you can absolutely to be an advocate and a champion and, and help guide people to take those steps and providing those micro steps to get there. So kudos to you. I'm glad you brought that up. I just want to tag one thing onto this, okay? So consumption, right? We talked about reducing your consumption, okay? And I've actually quit reading books. I've quit consuming a lot of different things because I think we've gotten into this this sort of... uh, I don't have a better word for it, but like mental masturbation where we're just constantly looking for more information, but we don't apply any of it. And so one of the worst things you could possibly do is buy a course and just rip through and learn all the information, but not take an action or read a book and then just go read another book. Because what you're missing is you don't need more information. You need more action. And so what we do, just probably like you did at Tesla, was we break things down step by step because we want actually want people to slow down and learn a, a principle and then apply that. And then learn a principle and apply it. And once you compound that, then you're really going to get the result. But if you just read a book and then go, that was a great book, and then read the next one, 
you're not going to get anything out of that book. Yes, you might have, you know, tickled your brain in a new way, but you're not putting anything into action. And so action is going to be the biggest thing that, that everyone needs right now. And that's why I don't consume content because I don't want to learn anything new. I just want to put what I know into action. And so it's a, it's a big mind shift because all of us think that there's just this one piece of information out there that we need to get to where we're going. And it's not true. You might need a little information along the way, but what you really need to do is try some things, test some things, put some things you've learned into action, and you will see massive results. Sometimes you need to slow down to speed up. And that's it. To your point, like you put into action a small micro step, and then you see how it goes. And, and yeah, maybe you need some more information to know the next step, but put it into action. Don't read all the steps then forget all of them and then not do any of them. Like you got to take some, some action to get where you want to go. Speaking of which you took a lot of action leading up to this insane six week growth period, 90,000 followers. I think it was around six weeks. And yeah, you were an overnight sensation that two years in the making. Right. But like, what were some of the biggest catalysts that like got you the 90,000? Was it, I think there were a few viral videos, like, Let's be like super real here, man. Like what happened to get you the 90,000 over the, that short period of time? Yeah. So in that period of time, I was testing a bunch of different hooks and formats for the video, right? I was starting to really dial into that speaking to camera, the different angles, you know, high energy. That was something that I saw working. But the initial hooking people into that, it doesn't matter what you say if they flip the video. So that first thing you say. So what I have, was doing was testing. And you can actually go back on my account and see exactly when it happens because I posted the video, here's a business idea, do something it, with it as a test. And then the next day I did something different because it didn't really uh, explode at that point. And so as soon as I saw, I, there, I woke up one day and I had like 3,000 new followers and I was like, what's going on? And I was on another podcast and I thought, oh, maybe this person has a huge audience. And I kind of just chalked it up to that. Well, the next day was like 3,000 and I'm like, what is going on? So I went back to look at my account and that one video was almost to 100,000 views. And I was like, that would be incredible if I could get 100,000 views. And then I woke up the next day and it was at 200 and then 300 and it was just going crazy. So that's the exact moment when I said, okay, now all I do for the next three months is here's a business idea, do something with it. So that reflection on, oh, something's taking off. Now I just narrow down to only that. I don't need to think. All I need to do is go, I need more ideas just like this. This is resonating with people. And then when I locked into that, I continued to grow. So I think if I would have shifted away from that, the video would have done well and I would have accumulated some followers. But because people were now following me and coming back and they were getting the same thing, that predictability, it kept increasing and kept increasing. Okay. So, you know, 90,000 followers over a few weeks is absolutely thrilling, right? But I also knew in the back of my head, one of these days is going to stop. So you need to be ready because, you know, waking up, Every day and going like, oh my God, the number is still going. You know, you also have to mentally prepare for the downfall. But to break that down for anybody, if you have a video that does really well, it does exceedingly better than one of your others, or even a regular post, do the same thing for a week and see what happens. Don't shift and do something different. And that's where self reflection is most important. We need to self reflect on is my content reaching my expectations of the value and the quality? And then what are people resonating with? And if they start resonating with a topic, 
do it again, do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again until you know the the wave comes back down. And that's how you ride it because it would have been easy for me to just keep testing, but that's when the testing ends, right? And on my scientist hat, it was like, I've tested all these variables. That hook was the variable that worked. Okay, we've got our molecule now. Let's go all in on the testing on that. And so it was very intentional. And, you know, I think people really attribute success on social media to luck. And then when they get a result, they go, oh, that was just luck. But they don't really look at what was it? Was it the topic? Was it the hook? Was it the style of the video? Was it you know, were people arguing in the comments? Was it kind of polarizing, right? What was it, right? Because the whole thing we're doing, yes, we make content for ourselves, but we're really making content for our audience. And we need to remember that they have a consumption pattern. They have a specific amount of time a day. And I don't think people always think about the audience as much as they think about themselves. Like, well, I only have time to post this. And I don't want to post every day or I don't want to do this. And they're not really thinking like, what does my audience need right now? What do they need the most? And how can I present that in a way that is super magnetic? So, you know, I can tell you that my dopamine receptors are completely burned out from getting all those followers. <laughs> like, you know, there's no more joy than that. And now, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to test some new things and do it again. And I'm going to show people that it isn't luck. And I'm doing that right now. We have a program called Reels Millionaire. Where we're taking a bunch of creators from zero to a million views. And they are going through the exact process right now. And in week three, we have a person with 5 million views. We have a person with you know 100,000 views. These are people that had 300 view averages. And it's not because they used a trending song or a special caption or a hashtag. It's because they're actually doing the research, testing content, and then going in consistently. So anytime you're going to buy a program from someone, whether it be coaching or a course or something, the question you need to ask is, do they have a method? Because if they don't have a method, then they, you probably won't get the result. And this is something I'm really excited about because I shouldn't have gone viral. Like on paper, I'm not the viral guy. And the people I've helped go viral are martial artists and carpenters, people that shouldn't go viral. But it's happening, right? It's happening because the method works. Well, yeah. And you said it earlier. Most people are just guessing. They don't take the time to analyze or reflect or do what you did, which is say, hey, you know what? I got to take my scientist hat off for a moment and realize this worked. This is a successful experiment. So let's like double, triple, quadruple down on this because let's see where we could take this. And clearly the results favor that approach. So I want to dig into hooks in a moment. So We'll get into that in a minute and just talk about some of your best practices for hooks because it's so important. And we'll kind of break down the anatomy of how you approach. So you got your hook, you got your content, and you got your CTA. Before we get into that, I want to talk about your research approach, which we touched on already a little bit, but specifically to TikTok. Because you're, you're not a TikToker. You might have some TikToks, but you're focused on Instagram. But what you do, and I learned this at Podcast Movement, is you do your research on TikTok. Why? And how? Yeah, so TikTok is is quickly becoming you know the third biggest search engine in the world, and TikTok's awesome for content research because they have a really cool filtration tool on their search bar. So you could do this right now. You could literally take out your phone and go to TikTok and type in your keyword into the search bar. The next thing you'll do is there's a little like slider looking button which is a filter for the search. You tap that, and you're gonna go filter by the last three months because we want to know what's working now, not what's working a year ago, and then most liked. 
And what that's going to do is categorize all the posts to that search in order of the most viewed and liked videos. And that's instantaneous results of what's working right now. Now, once you see that, you need to go into the content and say, what is the first thing they say? What does it say on the screen? That's where you can find hooks, okay? And then, of course, I'll look at the content like, what is it? Is it speaking to camera? Is it pointing at bubbles? Is it a tutorial where they're showing a screen? And then I can see, okay, the combination of this hook and this format really resonated with people. The other place I always go is YouTube. YouTube does a bunch of really cool stuff. You type in something and they're going to predictively show you what other people actually typed in that search bar. So instead of having to guess what people are asking, YouTube, because you know Google owns them, will show you what people are actually searching. So you can go into one of those topics and just filter into the last month and the most views. And you're going to see all the videos that did the best and typically what's on that title card is what made people click into the video. So I'll pay really close attention to what's the title card say and what's the title of the video because that's what gets people into the show. Just like podcasting, right? I'll look at podcasters. What's your biggest episode? What is the title? There's something to that because that's pretty much the only thing you have to get someone to click. And so by doing this basic research... I always ask people, do you think if you did this for 15 minutes before you posted, you have a higher chance of having a better video? And the answer is always yes, because instead of guessing, we're now preparing ourselves to be successful, right? We're, we're setting ourselves up to win that lottery ticket because we have a couple of the numbers already filled in. 100%. And, and to your point, doing the analysis, whether you're a podcaster and looking at your titles or going into YouTube and leveraging the search feature are going to TikTok where it's going to tell you, show you where, what's viral, what's trending, what's hot right now, and then apply, you know, use that as inspiration. So we talked a lot about hooks, but let's get like granular here. Like when you think of the anatomy or the DNA of a good hook, what are you thinking about? How are you crafting hooks? What advice do you have? Yeah. So my success has come from, and I think a lot of other people's success has come from FOMO hooks, right? We're all afraid of missing out. And I did an experiment at Podcast Movement, which was very fun. I didn't know how it would go over, but I made everybody hold up their phone and put it behind their head and then take the phone from the person in front of them. And you're biologically connected to your device because you, your heart rate goes up, your respiration goes up, you get really nervous, right? And if you've ever been locked out of your account, you're like, what do I do with myself? So FOMO is a big thing. So a FOMO hook is simply telling some somebody a statement that is going to have their brain want to close the loop. Okay. So if I say to you, here's three podcasting tips that I wish I knew sooner, I'm telling you in some capacity, I'm going to give you three tips that you can use, but I'm not telling you what they are. And your brain is going to tell you, if you're interested in that topic, stick around. You need to know what he has to say, because if you don't, you're going to miss out. Okay. Stop doing X is going to tell people, you know, oh, I need to know this information because I might be doing this thing and it might be harming me. So the FOMO hook can be a multitude of different things. I bet you didn't know this. What is he going to say? What is he going to say? I I need to know. I need to close the loop. And so that's a really great place to start is just simply FOMO hooks. Now, secondarily, people love listicles, right? If you search for anything, you're going to get a bunch of blog posts, five things you need to know about X three things you need to know about X. We love to get a list for some reason. So listicles also can fall into that because you're not telling them what it is. They need to close that loop to know what's going on. 
Now, additionally, there are the relatability hooks where you tell someone uh, that you understand their plight. And that could be something like podcasting be like, and then you attach it to some feeling, right? Like crickets, right? Like you post this thing and then nobody comes and listens. Relatability and instant gratification are the two things that I think are working the most with hooks. And the fastest way to find those is doing research. So if anybody wants to DM me at Travis Brown and just give me, uh, just DM the word uh, PM22, like podcast movement 22, PM22, you'll instantaneously get my 10,000 follower blueprint book, which goes over a lot of of how you can build up your audience. And there's also some hooks in there. Now at the actual podcast movement, I gave people a bunch of hooks. But again, looking at the way you consume content, I bet you stop on FOMO hooks. Paying attention to that can give you a lot of clues to what you should say in the beginning of your video. Yeah. And I highly, highly, highly encourage you to go do what Travis just said. And PM22 is what you want to put into the message uh, in his Instagram because I've gone through it. And it's not some dense book with a bunch of words. It's like beautifully put together with simple steps and very actionable lessons that, that really break down. It's, it goes back to like, hey, give me, he's giving away. You could take that and you could do everything. Okay. But the reality is a lot of people do need some help. Like same reason people go to the gym and have trainers and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. And so if you need that trainer, then you go to Social Boom and and I know you could get some help there as well. So we're going to get into um, all of that a bit more in a minute. I do want to, speaking of closing the loop, so we talked about the hook. The other two parts of the equation is the content or the, what I'll call the value and then the call to action. So I want to talk about those two areas. What's your approach for the content to like make sure that it's good, A, but B, also make sure that you're able to perform it, right? In front of the camera in a, in a compelling way. Yeah. So my content, like the meat of my content comes through actually sitting down and writing down a good idea of what I want to say. It doesn't have to be a full on script, but I will at least have bullets to keep me on track because the worst thing we can do is turn on the camera and we're trying to do it all in one take. But at the end, when we finally get it, we're so angry that we post this thing and that anger kind of spills out onto our audience, right? So just by being prepared with some bullets of what you want to say, you'll keep yourself on track. Now, this applies to every everything, podcasting, YouTube videos, social media content, your emails, coming on a podcast like this. Now, once I do that, I am going to you know reread it, read it out loud, see if it makes sense. A lot of times when we write things down, it makes sense in our head, but it doesn't make sense when you actually say it. So something I've been really hot on lately, and this is, a, this is the first time I'm sharing this, is I've quickly realized after consuming content and looking at my own that historically, a story is told and you build up to the big ending, right? Or a movie, you watch it and it builds up to the big ending. But with short form content and social media content, I'm now flipping that upside down. I'm actually starting with the big moment and then unpacking it. Because I don't think people, again, we're flipping the TV station. We don't have as much time as we used to to get somebody to the big get. So I recommend that if there is a big thing, like if you say something like, here's one thing I would never do on social media, you can't start telling a story. You need to cash that in. You need to say, it's this, and then tell them why. So we want to be really conscious of, again, it's about speed, 
It's about getting that person that instant gratification. And we're only one thumb flick away and people aren't even thinking. Their thumb is thinking for them. (laughs) So if you say, here's one thing I'd never do on social media. And you say, I used to think about this, that, and the other thing. And then I realized, blah, 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 blah. And here's the one thing I'd never do. You've already lost them. They're like, oh, he's not going to tell me. I'm gone. You're never seen again, right? But if you say, here's the one thing I would never do on social media, it's posting and ghosting. And then I explain what that is, that format works. So I'm always trying to make sure that I, you know, my videos are a little longer. So I have to be very careful with this because if I can't get somebody through the first, you know, 10 seconds, they're probably not going to watch the rest. So by giving away the answer at the beginning and then unpacking that, I can take somebody through that phase of attention grabbing, instant gratification, and then education. So that's how I create my content. And I'm still learning. So I'm obsessed with storytelling. I'm obsessed with storytelling content, which I know is not everybody's jam. But I'm trying to perfect that craft because I'm a songwriter, you know, a podcaster. These are all just stories we're telling. Mm -hmm. But now I have to tell stories quickly. (laughs) So I'm really trying to hone in. So when I write that script, when I read it out loud, that's a good opportunity for me to say, this doesn't really serve the greater message, just remove it. We write a lot more than we need to say. So we need to be subtractive in the way we present our information. And if you look at your content like that and go, does this really help? Or am I just saying something to say something? Your videos get better because the messaging gets better. The messaging gets faster. And I'm not saying make the fastest video you ever can, but... There's a lot of content that I see where people promise me something in the hook and then they wind around this huge road to get to the end and that's where you're losing people. So I highly recommend just get a game plan. It makes the content production so much faster. It makes the editing so much faster. And then you don't have to like, I record everything in one big video and then I edit it. I have so much footage of me messing up over and over and over again that no one will ever see. It looks fluid. Because I have a plan and I'm, I'm shooting for the edit, which means I'm saying one or two lines at a time. And that way I can articulate what I want to say. I don't have to memorize the whole script. I only have to say one thing at a time. And then I create this kind of composition that at the end looks like this fluid video. Yeah. And I love what you do also. You're switching the angle or you're moving the camera, which is your phone. You're moving it just so you have a different angle, a different perspective to keep it interesting. So the audience is more engaged. And yes, I think that's just a, that was one of the big takeaways that I had from listening to your approach with, you know, both recording and also setting yourself up with the bullet points to get those key concepts out there. And you're right. People, their most precious thing in their life is having time. And if you just willy nilly don't, you know, give them something valuable, they're going to, they're not going to give you their, their most precious resource. So closing the loop on the, the last part of the video is the call to action. Is there any best practice or advice that you have to make sure that the call to action is on point? Yeah. So the call to action really is about your own goals, right? So if you're in growth mode and you want more followers, you have to remind people to press follow. Because again, the consumption habits of short form video is we're just kind of flipping, right? And that's we're going to get less comments and likes on that kind of content because people are just kind of looking at it and they're just kind of flipping, right? So if you want people to follow, you need to remind them, hey, follow for more tips follow for more X. Because if we don't do that, just like in podcasting, right? If you don't tell them to do something at the end of your episode, they're just going to go to the next podcast and that person's going to tell them to do something. So we need to lead the witness, so to speak. So for me personally, because 
my audio is original and it's me talking, I will actually change the original audio in my Instagram post to say, follow for more tips. The first thing in my caption is follow for more tips. And the last thing I say is typically follow for more tips. Now, if I'm going to be doing some type of like sales or lead magnet generation, that call to action is going to change. It's going to be hit download this free thing in my bio. But you got to make sure that that link in your bio actually goes to the place you're telling them or else you're creating more friction, right? So it's all about your goals. If you're in growth mode and you want more followers, tell them to follow. If you want more comments, ask them to comment. If you want more likes, tell them to smash the like button, right? This is something that most people don't do. And then they go, oh, no one commented. Well, did you ask for comments? No. Yeah. You have to help people along, right? Like people are mindlessly consuming, mindlessly consuming. So put a thought in their mind of what they should do next. And I love what you said. Their thumb is doing the thinking for them. It is. It's crazy. (laughs) Pay attention to your thumb. The next time you're looking at like TikTok or Instagram or YouTube shorts, like pay attention. Your thumb just does its own thing. It just knows what it wants to do. (laughs) They have smart thumbs, man. They say that's the differentiating factor, right? Disposable thumbs. Well, listen, man, this has been an absolute joy. I could talk to you endlessly and I'm so grateful for your time, for your wisdom, for all the lessons gained from your experience. In closing out, I want to make sure we give a final opportunity, kind of a double-sided question. One is, are there any tools, platforms, or things that you recommend that would be helpful for somebody on their journey that you think are just really invaluable? And then secondly, I encourage everyone to go to socialboom.me. And I think there's also another version of that. So share all the places they can find you, as well as please go to Instagram, find Travis there, send him a message, let him know that you heard the show, but also send him that message, PM22. So what are some of your favorite tools? And then where else can people find you or where else should they go? All right, before I do that, I have one ask of your audience. People don't know how hard it is to run a podcast, let alone an interview podcast. You have to come up with ideas and guests and schedule and show up and have the technology right. So if you've gotten any value out of this show at any point in time, I mean, I know this is your favorite episode, but any episode, I want you to just at the end of this, go write a review. You could do that on Spotify and you could do that on Apple Podcasts. A review reminds Billy that you're there, that you're getting value, and it's going to charge him up. And it's something that you can do for free to support the show. So if you've gotten any value from the show, that is your main objective. Now, tools, there's two favorite tools I have right now that I'm using daily. One is the CapCut desktop app. Okay, CapCut is an app that allows you to edit videos, add music, add Uh, captions to the video. And for some reason, it's completely free. I don't know when they're going to start charging for it, but it is clearly a tool I use every day. And by adding captions to your video, you're going to be able to capture the people that might not want people around them hearing what they're watching or may not be in a position to listen to the audio. So you can help them follow along as well as be there for the accessibility factor of people who you know may not be able to see or hear, they can still appreciate your content. So it's very important to add captions. This could be your main editing tool. Now, they also have a phone version of it, but my thumbs are too big to edit anything on a phone, so I'm using the desktop version. That will change your life. Now, secondarily, 
I've been using something called copy.ai. Now, this is artificial intelligence. I've been so anti-artificial intelligence for so long. So there's the Dolly 2 thing that'll make art for you. And copy.ai actually helps you write copy. So for some reason, I've had a chip on my shoulder like, when are people going to learn a craft? You know, When are people going to invest in themselves? But this tool is amazing. So they have all these different things that you can do in copy.ai. You can write a blog post, you can get ideas for viral content, and it takes like 10 seconds. You just type something into a box and it just starts generating all these ideas for you. Now there's so much more, I really can't talk about it and I'm not affiliated with copy.ai, but if you ever sit down at a blank piece of paper and you're just like pulling your hair out, just pull up copy.ai, type anything in a box in any of their tools, and I guarantee you, you will get a spark that allows you to create something. So those are two tools that I'm using every day, and I'm getting accustomed to AI. I think AI is not going to replace us, but I do think it enhances us. So those are two of my favorite tools. And then, you know, I'm a big fan of not pining after equipment. Like I am an equipment hoarder. I love equipment because I like testing, showing people what they should use. But I also see that as a blocker. People like, if I just get a good camera, I can start making content. Your phone has more computing power than the Apollo 11 space mission. You have everything you need. So I hate when people tell me like, well, I just need to get a camera. No, you don't. You just need to do some research and start testing. And you can do that off of your phone. So don't let the gear create the fear that gets in the way of you actually putting yourself out there. Start small, build on. There's no magic camera out there. They all do the same thing. So I hope that's inspiring to people that have some, but I just need to get this before I do the thing. Powerful, man. And then for you, yeah. And so just, uh, yeah, social boom. See, you're such a giver, man. I love it. Giver's heart. My main platform is Instagram. So if you find me at Travis Brown, I run my account. I try to respond to every DM and I love meeting new people. So come check out my content. Hopefully it inspires you or gives you an idea for your next business idea. Secondarily, I am a coach at Social Boom. We've created a safe community that is extremely affordable. It's very, very low priced. And what we do there is we we do three Zoom calls a week where we actually want to talk to you. Uh, We give you an Instagram accelerator. So a 12-week program broken down day by day, week by week to slow you down. So you don't just download everything and think you know it, but you actually apply it. And then we have a Facebook group, which is our community attached to it, where we do all kinds of fun workshops, giveaways. And it doesn't matter if you join Social Boom or not, but you do need to remind yourself that you need to be around like-minded people. So that's why we created our community is to be an affordable place that people can be around like-minded people where we don't hide things behind the paywall. We don't want our mission is to not have people not having the information. So whether it's social boom or another community, that's where all the growth comes from. Being around people with the same mission as you. So if it's not social boom, find another community, but if you wanted to check out social boom, it's socialboom.me and you can find out everything we do there and then Of course, I am currently offering this zero to one million views uh, program. It's called Reels Millionaire. The link for that is in my bio and you can get some more information about how we help you. We get hands-on with you with your content to get you those views that are going to bring in the new prospects. They're going to help grow whatever it is you're growing, a podcast, a business, just your followers. you know. And if you saw the people we were working with, you would think, wow, this is totally possible for me. There is not reserved for celebrities. It's not reserved for influencers. Everyday people are going viral every single day. I love it, man. Well, this has been an absolutely extraordinary conversation. Thank you 
so much for showing up the way you do. Oh, I'm so grateful, Billy. And I, I'm, so, I'm so glad we finally connected after all this time of not only seeing each other on the internet, but being in the same room. So listen, if you're going to go to Podcast Movement 2023, you are on the top of, you're on my hit list, man. Uh, like, well, I'm going to find you. <laughs> oh, dude, for sure. No, I'll be, I'll be there 100%. And I can't wait to hang out in person. And it's been a, an honor and a pleasure. And I'm, I'm so grateful for for you and, and all that you bring to the world and the impact that you're making and the help that you're giving to all the people who are also making an impact on this planet. It means a lot. Travis Brown, thanks for being on the show. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.